Welcome to Unethical Podcast. That's uh, now I'm gonna start calling when someone pisses me off. I'm calling shingles. What do you mean? Because you're on my nerves. (laughs) 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 Oh, Jason, what a good dad joke that was. That was that was spectacular. Actually, I'm gonna use that, I'm gonna add it to my repertoire. Also, this. This needs to be edited out, Christy. Nope. But I heard a joke that made me think of you the other day, Richard, that I was like, oh, I need to tell him. I need to tell him your joke. Obviously, I haven't had a girlfriend that left me, but the joke was done by this dude and he goes, I had a girlfriend before and she was really into like Japanese noodles. She also cheated on me with five guys while having sex without a condom. It was really, she was really, really into ramen. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> uh, <fucking>. Roman. <laughs> I thought you meant ramming, like getting rammed by five dudes. Oh, either. Yeah. So see, this is like triple <laughs> entendre now. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I think we've given Celeste enough time. Celeste is supposed to be here, guys. Sorry. It's, got, it's the B team. It's Richard and the B team. <laughs> <laughs> the substitutes get the substitutes get the front of stage. <laughs> it's our day today, Bo. Yeah, yeah. take that, A team. <laughs> Shove it up your ass. Actually, Jesus and Bo are here. This, <laughs> this makes me this makes me like motivated to make this even better. Like makes me think of Little Giants. You remember that movie? Like yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm fucking Rick Moranising the shit out of this team. Let's go, Icebox. <laughs> I'm Stephen Brabbering the hell out of this. Yeah. Oh, then, oh, you're not going to get that. Okay, okay, okay. Wait, no, no, no. This is Stephen Bradbury is like the best. So he went to the Winter Olympics, right? And he was the worst speed skater. He's, okay. He managed to get his way to the finals, right? But he was the slowest by far. And on the very last lap, he was five or six body lengths behind. And we're all like, oh, cool. We've never, ever won, ever won a gold medal at the winter Olympics. Right. And then right as the, everyone else is coming around the corner, all three of the other guys completely stack it. And Stephen Bradbury just like coasts over <laughs> to get cold <laughs> after coming last the entire race. It's the best thing ever. And that's our first Australian, like this first Australian gold medal in the winter Olympics. And it was just Stephen going. <laughs> I love that. That, that's amazing. Yeah. I didn't even know any Australians have ever won a gold either or like any medal. That's amazing. So, yes, we're going to win mean? a gold. We've won heaps of gold at the actual Olympics. No, I know. Not in the winter. Winters. That's what I mean, in the winter. Mm. I thought it would be like, yeah, uh, you guys do way better than us in free and summer. But anyways, I digress. That's an amazing way to put this. This is fucking hilarious. The B team. I like that. <sighs> Richard and the B team. You guys shouldn't You guys shouldn't think of yourselves that way, though. I don't like that. I don't like that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a part of the original team, Richard. You're not an OG member. That's right. <laughs> no, I'm um, not an OG member. <laughs> and if she's not, then I'm definitely not. <laughs> you're. It, that, that's okay. But that doesn't mean B team. That just means like when you do trades, you know, you get good. Mm. Uh, 
Yeah. Do we get better players sometimes. Fuck, do we get some good ones? Yeah. So, well, yeah, today I tried it a Christy for a bow and a Celeste for a dingus. Yeah, that's a pretty good trade. So yeah, we're gonna go to the 1800s though, because it's my favorite time period to do crime in, guys. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> and it's gonna be the crossover episode that I've been talking <gasps> within the group for a long time of yep. Jack the Ripper. What a time. What a time to be alive. <laughs> what a time to be alive. Not the 1800s right now. Listen yeah. to this. The yeah, crossover yeah. I, was gonna, I was gonna say the 1800s suck bag, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, real glad I wasn't alive in the 1800s. No, I would have yeah. I, I would have been okay with being alive, but I just want to be like insanely rich. That's all. Yeah, no. Yeah, would... but like I know I wouldn't have been because I'm poor now. You'd probably be like, I don't know. Well, maybe you never know. I don't. Do you ever like a rich family? Because that's that would be the help out. But other than that, you'd probably be no. some like barmaid or like not hard to set. Pat, bad to say. Probably a sex worker. You know? Yeah, if we if we went back in time now as we were, we'd be the smartest people there by far. So we'd actually either do really fucking well or be burnt as witches. That's what I was gonna say. I think well, we'd it was be gonna be more like witches. yeah, witch, witch, witch. Get the witch. Yeah, we'd be like, oh, do you guys hear of? Uh, this is gonna make a thing called a cell phone where there's a box with all your information. Witch, witch, witch. I'd kill you for sure. Yeah. Imagine you take one back with you and you show them. It's oh like, yeah. Whoa. No. Oh, yeah. No, okay, yeah, I would take back something that would help me dominate the known world. That's what I'd do. I'd go back with, like, not a gun because I'm not a gun person, but I'd go back with something. Oh, it'd have to be a gun, wouldn't it? It's like, it's like, I'd, you oh, I'd go back with a gun no, and kill Hitler. I, I'd go back with, I'd go back with a taser and then I'd be like, come at me. Just pepper spray. Oh, then, yes. Then you and can do like yes. crowd control and then be like, I could do that anytime. If that's my first warning shot, even though you're almost yeah, dead. That's my warning shot. Now yeah. all you motherfuckers go and get me a bath. Cause you stink <laughs> and go get me a shovel. Cause we're going to clean up these streets and feed me. That's what all of your money or I'll pepper spray you in the face, but I'd call it like Jesus juice or like, yeah, oh Something yeah. like yeah, Satan yeah. breath. <laughs> Satan but breath, even in the yeah. 1800s, they had guns. They would just kill you. They'd be no, like, that, Oh, no, that didn't kill take... us. Bam, bam. Nah, by the time they'd have to reload it, also, I would wear Kevlar. <laughs> okay, fair. Yeah. yeah. I've got this. I could go back. All right. I could go back in time and take over. I don't think that we would be, like, in charge of everything. We would just have our own little corner. Like, we'd have a tavern. By the end of it, we'd have our own tavern and, like, control, like, the information around town. You know, that's what I feel like. I don't think I'd be, like, taking over the government or anything. That They definitely had guns. But little local tavern, SARS. Oh, <laughs> Christy goes, I'd take back drugs. <laughs> take back a whole key of cocaine. <laughs> Did she mean pills to like save people and you went with like heroin to like. <laughs> oh, you mean, like prescription drugs? No, she didn't. She meant oh, okay. hardcore class okay. A kill you, kill you drugs. Okay. <laughs> Well, we're not doing full-blown Jack the Ripper, guys. I'm not crazy. I'm not going to make us go through that uh, adventure with everyone. What oh. I did find, though, is one of the suspects when I was researching Jack the Ripper was very fascinating. So I needed to do a full episode on him alone. The Ripper episode uh, talks about him for a bit. This is way more fleshed out. Makes more sense. It's about it. English board. Do you have a, say, a song for crossovers? Because that's awesome. Crossover. No, I was going to quote. Cross- I was going to quote. Crossover. Da, 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 da. Crossover. <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> I was going to do the Bojack. 
what is this? A crossover episode? <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so is it, that's right. for the BoJack um, fans out there. The BoJack fans, yeah. It's, well, this episode's about an English-born Australian serial killer nicknamed Mad Fred. Mad Fred. Yeah. I know a couple of them. You know a couple Mad Freds, yeah? Mm-hmm. Let's hear about Mad Fred before I talk about this one. I want to hear about a couple of your Mad Freds, or one. Oh, I've got one Mad Fred. Well, actually, Mad Fred is, um, Fred's not actually his name, but you know, <laughs> he's, uh... And he's not really mad either. He's quite not mad, actually. He's delightful, actually. <laughs> he's a monk. <laughs> no, um... I was the only one, the first one that came to my head as a mad friend was Christy's brother, my brother-in-law. <laughs> he decided, <laughs> how do I say this delicately? Christy's family has been engaged in uh, not above board activity. And um, Christy's brother stole a whole bunch of really expensive shampoo and conditioners from the store. <laughs> like from the shop. Do you know Trailer Park Boys? That makes me think of Trailer Park Boys. Definitely. He broke into a hairdresser and stole their expensive <laughs> shampoo and conditioner. And then the police were coming to the house. Yeah. So the police were coming to the house. And I don't even think it was related to the shampoo. Who knows? But my brother-in-law, completely off his head, freaked out. And, oh, no, they came over to the house because he made an explosion in the shower. <laughs> he taped together six cans of fly spray and exploded them in the shower. And that's one of Yeah. And that's why the police were coming over, right, to check out what was happening because there's this fucking mass off explo- fuck off explosion. And Rick, off his absolute mind, um, panicked about having the shampoo and conditioner that he'd stolen from the hairdresser's place that, he ran, that he'd broken into and stolen it from. So he's, in his infinite wisdom, decided to take the shampoo and conditioner out of the house and throw them on the roof. Oh, <laughs> I'll get those later. I can sell those later for sure. Jesus Murphy. Okay, that guy sounds like a mad, like mad as an insane, which that's awesome. Uh, yeah, that's a mad Fred. Yeah, this mad Fred's not called mad because he like has like eyebrows that are like touching in the middle, like he's just pissed off all the time, it's just because he's weird. He's a different right. character. They called him mad, uh, even at a young age. Uh, he was bur- born in Birkenhead, Cheshire on July 30th, 1853. Sorry, I forgot we're in 1800s, 1853. He was the fourth child of 10, and he had a troubled childhood, mostly because of his dad, Tinsmith Thomas Deer- Deeming. Tinsmith, which oh, I, I thought- found. <laughs> He thought his he name was Tinsmith. His name was Tinsmith. Yeah. <laughs> Tinsmith McQuarrie. Tinsmith uh, Quarry Mine. Yeah. <laughs> no, Thomas like, Deeming. Who was a Tinsmith? Tinsmith's an interesting. Okay, cool. Fred's like a weird kid right off the bat. It's not easy being a weird kid. Like, we got weird kids that are around here all the time. Uh, not all the time, but there's a little somebody like. Oscar and Molly are not weird kids, but there are weird kids that exist in town. There's one little girl that comes here on all fours meowing, you know, like just being a weird kid. And my kids, there's nothing wrong with that. Be a weird kid, whatever. But other kids make it hard for you. Like my kids will just like make fun of her relentlessly. And it's like, stop, leave the weird kid alone. I wanted to be a dog when I grew up. Yeah. (laughs) Did you? Yep. Yep. A hundred percent. But did you think you were a dog growing up to be a 
a dog? Like, do you think you were a puppy growing up? Good question. I did um, go through my own stages of being a dog, and then I decided that I wanted to be when I when I grew up. <clears throat> then, then I got a little bit older and realized I couldn't change species overnight. I'm not a dog. I'm yeah. a lesbian. It was, <laughs> <laughs> it, it was it was hard. It was really hard coming to that coming to that conclusion. So then I decided that I wanted to be a doctor, and then at night I wanted to be a clown. Oh, there you go. You succeeded on the clown. Got it? Correct. I did. Yeah, you did good on that one. All right. Oh, sorry. Yeah, good. So yeah, so Fred, since he was such a weird kid, his parent, his dad hated him. His dad was like especially hard on him. Mad Fred's older brother Edward said, "Fred was never a favorite of my father's." He seemed to have taken a dislike to him from his birth. <laughs> that means he fucking hated him. <laughs> oh, for sure. Some like a young age. Uh, he yeah. used to beat the shit out of Frederick relentlessly. None of the oh. other kids. Um, so he he brought it that far. But his dad also had problems too. Like his dad was, I guess we'd call him schizophrenic these days. I They didn't really say that because it was like in the 1800s. But he heard voices in his head all the time. Uh, he claimed his houses were haunted. Like one of the houses they lived in was definitely haunted. Well, we can't prove that he's not right. So he may have not been crazy. He, that's true. But I mean, most people I hear voices in their head are probably like, unless it's your own voice and you start hearing other voices. Like, um, well, you'll see how his, his dad's life, like for most of Frederick's life, his father was mentally ill in and out of one of the many asylums. He'd be out workhorse houses. If you want to Learn more about workhouses and all that kind of stuff. Go to Private Dicks and go listen to the first episode of Jack the Ripper so you can learn more about oh, workhouses. Oh, nice. But if he he was on in and out of the workhouses and then in and out of the asylum, so like he wasn't, put it this way, his dad calling his uh, Frederick weird was like, dude, you're the guy who probably made him that way. You know what I mean? Like you probably yeah. gave him the mental illness. On several occasions, Frederick's father also tried to kill himself. One time, specifically, he tried to slit his own throat, which I find that a fucking metal way to try and kill yourself. I don't think anyone should try and kill oh. themselves. But like slitting your yep. own throat? Jesus. That's commitment. That's fucking like, crazy. <laughs> like you, you've really got to want to do it because it takes more pressure than you'd think to... Yeah. To get in there like what that. What do you know from experience? Dingus, when she no. said that, when Dingus <laughs> yeah. said that, she lifted up her neck and showed us the scar. Holy fuck, yeah. Dingus. <laughs> no, no, she bought she bought in her partner and showed us his scar. <laughs> no, I mean you just you feel that and it's like it that's solid, you know. Oh, like oh yeah, I the, depends how sharp the knife is. You know what I mean? Like mm. it's not bone. Yeah. It's not bone. Like OJ OJ almost took off Nicole Brown head, uh, Simpson's head in like seconds. So I don't know. Uh, maybe it's got to be tough. Like yeah, but to I, do I, it I yourself. That's what I'm saying. Like, to do it yourself whoo. is crazy. You'd have to be like, you have to go fast because your your body would automatically stop you eventually, right? Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Fred's dad eventually just died poor and insane in workhorses, in workhorses, in workhouses. <laughs> so there's that. Like, Mad Fred's dad wasn't a good dude, and he made it for a shitty home life. So to make it worse, as you did back in those days, Deeming started to work early, uh, at an early age to help with the household expenses, especially mm-hmm. with the dad in and out of asylums. So he was a plumber's apprentice at the age of 12. Also in his preteens, Fred had an obsession with knives, so much so that he started to craft them and sell to sailors as a side hustle. So little 12-year-old kid being like, watch your knives, get your knives. Like I Get fucking- your knives, governor. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> just Oi, bruv, you want a knife? Yeah. I got a knife for you. I made it myself. Yeah, at, tw- at 12. I just find that, like, imagine the guy, he's got a trench coat on. Get your knife. Like <laughs> and flashing at 12. Jesus, yeah. oh, man. man. <laughs> uh, when Frederick was a teenager, I couldn't figure out the exact age. I'm guessing, like, 16 to 18. He had found a dead woman on his doorstep. Uh, her throat was slashed. I'm not sure the direction of the slash. Now, if you're wondering why I'm mentioning the direction of the slash, go check out our three-part series on Jack the Ripper we did for <laughs> Private Dicks. <laughs> now, according oh. to the according to the detective who worked the case, Charles Marshall, he observed that Fred, when he f- was excited by his grisly find, so at twelve, he was about sixteen to eighteen when he found that dead lady. So, ew. Yeah, the cop was like, "This kid looks a little bit pumped up about this." That guy's pitching a tent. What's going on? <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. And, and later, while in jail, later in his life, Frederick Deeming uh, bragged that by the time he was 18, he, quote, had seen more of life than most had ever seen. And I'd killed a man, too. I'm pretty sure it was an accident, but it changed my life. So I don't know if he killed that woman, but it sounds fucking like it. Well, she's not a man. I don't think it's like literal like that. Like, I don't think people are like saying I killed a man. Like, it's uh-huh. like. I killed someone. And actually, it's probably younger. Now that I'm, I forgot, but it's probably younger that he saw that lady because he leaves the house around 1516 anyway. So it was probably 1516 he found that dead body. Oh. So Deeming's mother, mm. Anne, died around the time Deeming was 15. She was a very religious woman, Sunday school teacher, teacher at the church. She instilled in Fred a strong affinity for God that lasted his whole life. Uh, so much so that he carried around a Bible with him for the rest of his life, like most of his life in like a jacket pocket, wherever he was going. And you'll see that's kind of weird because of mm. what he did in his life. Fred and his mother were very close. And when she died, he had a mental breakdown. Oh, buddy. Yeah. His dad was the douchebag, right? And the one person that was the, keeping him from like being relentlessly beat all day long was the mom. So when she died, it was like <clears> bad the one person who didn't hate him from death from birth. Yeah. For sure, for sure. Yeah, so his her death affected him for like the rest of his life. And you, you'll see what Anne tells her little boy Fred to do later in life at his trial. So think about that. She's dead, but she's telling him to do something at his trial. <laughs> yeah, that's a problem. <laughs> Once his mental breakdown subsided, the 16-year-old Fred becomes a sailor. He just wanted to get away from his dad's beating, so he just left the house, honestly. It doesn't sound like that mental <laughs> breakdown ever truly subsided. <laughs> You know what I mean? Just yeah, yeah. just a little bit of foreshadowing that Richard's yeah. given us. I'm like, I don't think that subsided at oh. all. I think he just like. I think you might be right. Uh- <laughs> I think he just suppressed it enough to look normal to get on a ship. <laughs> yeah, just suppressed it enough so that it came out in wild and mysterious ways later. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. yeah, yeah. He's like, if I just cram this down here, <laughs> <laughs> I'll be able to. I'll be able to board this ship. Be, yeah. As soon as I get on the ship, I can come up again. I can bubble up to the surface for a while. And people can't leave. He's got <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. So living on living at the seas where Frederick Deeming's life was like that's where stuff got real for him. Like his life was really changed. Uh, he's learning how to sail, sure, but he also picked up another skill, uh, which is thieving. So he'd go port to port doing his deliveries with his ship, like cargo ship, but he'd also just steal shit from port to port. Look, that's kind of the backstory of that guy. So Fred was blue-eyed, redhead. He was a blue-eyed redhead, and he always had a huge red mustache 
that flopped over his mouth. People said that if they thought he was weird, like I said, these are some of the reasons why he just dressed fancifully, uh, like as if he was going to like a celebration all the time. It wasn't like the normal sailor clothes. He'd be wearing like a big fucking suit and tons of jewelry, like stolen jewelry. All his fingers would be covered in jewelry, big necklaces. That's what you want. You're going to de-glove your finger on a on a ship. Like, that's what you want to be doing when you're trying to manage big pieces of rope that are moving at a big speed. Yeah, just look like a fucking the count, you know? Yeah. He's also a guy that would, like, always be talking loudly to himself. Like, not just, like, muttering to himself. Like, Frederick's going to go over there. I don't know if he referred to himself in the third person. Be like, I'm going over there and I'm going to go tell everyone what I think. And, like, we can hear you from here. No, I think I choose to believe that he did refer to himself in the third person. <laughs> yeah, me too. I'm pretty sure that he did. <laughs> I don't know, though. Frederick disagrees. It sounds like that level of, like, unstable that he would definitely refer to himself in the third person. Yeah. If Frederick disagrees. With what? We're not talking. <laughs> <laughs> With whatever I was thinking, which is not much because you heard it. <laughs> if you don't stop this, Frederick, people are going to think you're crazy. Who are you talking to? <laughs> Myself. <laughs> no one thinks you're crazy. Huh? I wasn't talking to you. <laughs> I was as like weird as Fred was like he was he had like a weird charm to him, too. And he was outgoing, yeah. but he was also known as like a blowhard, like he bullshit a lot. I love the term blowhard. That's not used enough. Yeah, it's true. That's why I put it. I, I was like, what's the word? Like I'm writing blowhard. But yeah, he was a blowhard. Uh, he was also into the supernatural, which a lot of people were in the late 1800s. Uh, it was a pretty big thing, actually. But he was into it. Mm-hmm. Uh, once Deeming uh, claimed to have seen his mother, uh, his mother's ghost floating just outside of his window, like when he was older. I-, I feel like some of this supernatural beliefs, like some of the stuff he saw, couldn't be explained by brain damage, though. Because in 1878... Fred spent several months in a Calcutta hospital after suffering dozens of seizures. I feel like he probably had some brain damage as well. From what? From from birth or like the beatings or from the seizures? From seizures, like he probably didn't get them treated properly. Like just having outrageous seizures. Uh, I don't know if he had them his whole life, but he was in the hospital for months about it. Right. (laughs) So I, Mm -hmm. I feel like that's probably taken a toll. Now we have medication to stop seizures so you don't get fucking brain damage. (laughs) Like you don't just, but not back then. They were just like, here's a piece, the demons are in you. Here's a piece of uh, stick so you don't bite your tongue off. Anyway, so he would, uh, on his adventures, he would frequently return to port in England to visit his father and siblings. Uh, His brothers claimed that when Fred would come home for visits, he was he would get more and more eccentric. Like he was just getting weirder and weirder after every trip. While back in England, one of his, on one of his shore leaves, he meets a Welsh woman named Mary James or Marie, Marie James. Uh, They hit it off and marry quickly. This is in 1880. Uh, While still a sailor, Marie gives birth to their first child, Bertha. (laughs) What an 1800s name, you know? (laughs) Bertha. Oh fuck! Bertha is such a great name. It, it's so it's underused. I have nobody. Feeling... Nobody names their kid Bertha anymore. You know, just we don't we don't have any good Gertrudes in the world anymore or anything. You know, Bertha though gives me instant thought of like extra fat girl because you got to call her Big Bertha. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> Firstly, Bertha instantly brings back to my mind a throwback to the human tampon back in episode, I don't know, seven or whatever it was. (laughs) And secondly, Bertha makes me think of like the biggest butch diesel dyke that you can possibly think of. 
in prison. <laughs> in prison. <laughs> That's true. That's an important detail. In prison. <laughs> yeah, so Bertha's born. He's going off to sea and then he comes back and he gets Murray pregnant again. Uh, he's just getting more and more trouble out at sea. Uh, so deeming now that he's having kids, he's like, maybe I should stay home and stop being a sailor. So he decides he needs a change. Uh, by the way, the second kid's name is Marie. So, like, I guess, like, Marie Jr. I, I don't know if girls did that, but yeah, anyways. My daughter's named after me. What? Lara's my middle name. Oh, well, that's not named after you. That's, like, your middle name, though. Like, that would be Bo and then Bo Jr. I would. I wanted to do that, but Chrissy would have <laughs> You could just call her BJ for short. That'd be awesome. Really? I, my initials are BJ, and that has been a lifelong curse, especially when your first name rhymes with Gobby and you're a lesbian. <laughs> There's a lot to play with. Literally. Yeah, having the initials BJ sucks. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> all right, sorry, I never had to live with BJ before. Don't go all fucking mad Fred on me here. You've never uh, had to live with BJ? I don't believe you at all. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, so Fred anyway. Fred's got a couple kids now, and he's like deciding like maybe we're gonna start a landlocked life here, uh, but we're gonna go to Australia. This is 1881. Uh, this is their plan, okay? This is the couple's plan. Fred would go to Sydney now, like in 1881, earn and save yep. some money, and then Marie would meet him in the next year, children in tow, after he secured employment and a job. So like I find that like, dude, just bring her. Like, get the fuck out of here. Imagine like 1800s being like. Here's some money. Make yourself make your way on a ship to Australia. I'll meet you there with two, with kids. two kids. Yeah, like fuck you, man. And they're like babies too. Like <laughs> fuck what a dick. Off. Yeah, exactly. That's, what a... That happens a lot over here though still. We get a lot of families that are um split up because um someone comes over here, starts making a bit of coin, sends it back and then they come over. But it's not the 1800s. They don't have to go on a boat. Yeah, there's no scurvy. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. there's nobody trying to kill your kid or take it for mm. rape purposes. Well, yeah. maybe that's still exists. working. Yeah, <laughs> there was a lot of that in the 1800s, though. Like, the husband would go, and the wife would like have to follow behind with the kids. You know. Yeah, when they'd show up, the guy would be like, "Finally, you're here to do your job." Like, I've been yeah. working so hard over here. Like, anyways, fuck. <laughs> oh, God. All right. So while in Sydney, uh, Demon gets a job as a gas fitter, and he's still moonlit as a thief. Fred didn't have to go far to do his thievery. He was stealing uh, the brass fittings from his employer. <laughs> <laughs> a guy, uh, his employer's name was John Danks, the plumber. So... <laughs> <laughs> Danksy, <laughs> I, Dan Danks the plumber. Literally, John Danks did not need to be mentioned except for the hilarity of his name plus profession. So, uh, <laughs> Danks the plumber. I actually person. think. Oh, that's why it make. That's why we have a furniture chain over here called Danks Furniture. I was like, why does that name sound familiar? Oh, maybe it's a, a descendant of fucking the plumber John Danks. Oh, no, no way. Danks Company, John Danks and Son, Priority Limited, has um is a plumbing business that was established in 1859 and he's Fuck. still around now. That's probably the same one. Wow. That's Whoa. hilarious. That's hilarious. Look, he's still. Hang From on, 1851, the... that's guaranteed yep. the same. I guarantee that's the same. That's, that's so fucking neat. hilarious. 
Yep, Dank's uh, plumbing. There you Hell go. Hell yeah. <laughs> Jeff, Frederick Demon can't close us down. No one can. We're open forever. Yeah. There so, you yeah. go. So Demon wow. gets caught stealing these, these brass fittings right away. Like, he's fucking there for weeks. Not even long uh, after he gets his job. And then he has to spend six weeks in jail waiting. Well, his wife's not even there yet. So he didn't even do the thing he was supposed to do, which is just make some money. He instead he ends up in fucking jail. Uh, this is April to May, 1882. Uh, during the reading of the sentence, Mad Fred pretended to faint in the courtroom. That's what kind of fucking asshole this guy. <laughs> I can't believe it. Watch his pill. Oh my God. So that's, that's, that's April to May. And then it's like Marie, his wife makes it to Sydney on the 1st of July. So like he just fucking probably had a fun half a year and then just, didn't have money when she showed up. Good job. Deeming and family moved around quite a bit from Sydney to Melbourne to Rockhampton and back. Melbourne. 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 Why is there so many fucking letters then? That's easy. M-E-L-B-U-N. Melbourne. Like, why do we need the O, the R? Oh, God. Melbourne. Yep. That's where I was born. Oh, yeah? Mm-hmm. Maybe you knew Fred Deeming. Or Christy might have. Mm-hmm. She's old enough. Yeah, Christy's old enough to know people from the 1850s. <laughs> <laughs> she just goes like, I can just see her over the top of my laptop and she just goes. <laughs> she gave you the finger. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so he gets to, is it Rockhampton or is it Rockhampton? Rockhampton. <laughs> it's Rockhampton. Rockhampton. And then he goes, he makes it. So he's, he's doing a little tour of Australia and he gets back to Sydney uh, where he opened his own gas fitting company in 1884 so he learned enough from i guess mr dank that he could uh make his own place uh and actually it did quite well from 1884 to 1887 he was uh doing pretty good until it's done now he his business folded he had to file for bankruptcy in 1887 i also saw that he was being looked at for fraud so that's why his mm. business went down. So I, he was doing well because he was lying about the books. Like he wasn't actually mm-hmm. uh, doing well. Uh, he's Fred. Fred's Fred's a little mad. He's wearing his yeah. uh, gaudy outfits and his big rings and shit. He's not doing well with anything. Uh, but mm. Fred being the loudmouth that he is at bankruptcy court, he got a charge for perjury and spelt another 14 days in jail. Like, how do you get your fraud court? You just go, yes, whatever. I'll take. Instead, he's like lying and getting. No. Face. I, never I shall did. not. I didn't steal <laughs> any of these brass fittings. They're just falling out of his pockets. <laughs> and he's he jacking knives falling on the floor, brass fittings going everywhere. Yeah, get your he's... knives. Yeah. <laughs> Perjury at fraud court. Good. That sounds that is a that is a mean metal band name. Perjury at fraud court. Yeah. <laughs> I would listen the shit out of that band. Perjury at fraud court? That sounds like yeah, for sure. I was yeah, metal for sure. I was trying to think maybe it's a better genre, but no, it's metal. It's not even a metal idea though. That's why I was like, is it? Because like it sounds kind of lame. Like murder at fraud court, that would be a metal fucking band name. You know what I mean? Like murder at fraud no, it'd court. Be, um, it'd Kill be the like, judges. Um you it'd be Euro metal. Like you know the outlandish and like oh yeah, yeah it'd be yeah, like a yeah, night yeah, wish yeah, band. Perjury yeah, yeah. yeah, fraud sure. court. <laughs> <laughs> like dragon force <laughs> <laughs> when they're in uh, australia they also had a couple more children they had their last two children sydney a boy 
and Layla, their youngest daughter. All right. So he's got four kids now. Just want to put that out there. Uh, Deeming also had a partner in crime in Sydney. Her name was Eva Grant. Now, Eva would help him do his little thievery things uh, for a couple of years. But she actually died at a young age from falling out of a bedroom window. Now, just before yeah, she died from a fall. But just before the fall, people heard her having an argument with Deeming. So, um, yeah, I'm pretty sure Deeming chucked her out a window when she didn't comply to something. Yeah. yeah. How, how old is a young age? Uh, in her 20s. They don't, I don't have oh, specific. Right, right, she, yeah. She's young enough. Not like a kid or anything. That's Yeah, he pushed her. Yeah, mm-hmm. it sounds like it. But you don't really have super lots of info on her. <laughs> <laughs> Moida. The only reason I think that, that they killed him is because before the police could, or killed her, sorry, is because before the police could interrogate Deeming about Grant, he leaves the country to start over again. So I'm guessing he's like, I'm out of here. I just fucking killed someone. Frederick's leaving town and my kids are coming with me. <laughs> Frederick's done. Frederick's going now. He's had enough. Fred, Fred had already been in jail uh, a few times for like petty crimes and shit, like I said. Uh, so I guess he just didn't want to go back to jail. So he just left. So in 1887, him and his family get on a boat and they head to South Africa to start a new life there. Oh, that's somewhere where you'd go to get away from crime. As, yep. a, as a white colonizer? Yeah, for sure. It's probably awesome in South Africa. <laughs> it's not awesome <laughs> for everybody that's there, but as a white colonizer, it's probably amazing. <laughs> and Marie, she couldn't be happier to leave Australia because when he was in Aust- when they were in Australia, she parented the four kids while Deeming worked all day, came home and ate, and then he'd leave the house having no problem being out all night cheating on her on her with sex workers from all over Sydney. Uh, and he didn't even try to hide it. All three of them. All three, all three sex s- workers. In Sydney? It's, <laughs> if Australia, I'm going to say, if Australia is real, which I'm still on the fence about, it's 90% sex workers. Let's, let's be honest. <gasps> How dare you? <laughs> What's wrong with sex workers? Nothing. Not 90%. Why are you so insulted by that number? Because I personally don't want to be a sex worker. And I am not. You're the minority. A representation, a representation of the 10%. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, he would he would just bang sex workers all the time while he was there. I wouldn't care. Uh, just come home and tell her that's what he was doing. And he, like, oh, I don't think that was, I think that was, I think that was more normal than like we all give it credit for. But I think her biggest problem is that he would just shower the sex workers with all sorts of like his stolen jewelry. I don't even think. Nah, I don't even think he actually did tell her. He just walked in and he was talking to himself real fucking loudly. And he's like, Frederick just banged a sex worker. She's like, again? I'm not talking to you, woman. Get back to work. Yeah, yeah I'm not talking to you. Go look after our four kids. Fred, oh, yeah, sorry. Frederick's not talking to you, woman. Get back to work. <laughs> uh, but yeah, but he'd give all the sex workers a bunch of like jewelry and shit that he stole. Uh, and then Marie got none of the stolen jewelry. The only thing that she got stolen was her youth. So mm. she was very upset about like she was not upset to get the fuck out of Sydney. She got his seed, so he she should not be arguing. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Ew. I grossed <laughs> myself out. <laughs> However, the Deeming family didn't make it to South Africa the first try. They oh. made it there eventually. Uh, because on the boat the family departed on, Deeming was caught trying to swindle some of the passengers. So he's like just trying to rob the people. Um. <laughs> So I don't know exactly what that means, but that's how it's described. Could be anything with this guy, honestly. He could have been just saying like anything. But 
Because of these bad deeds, the family, deeming Marie and the four kids, was kicked off uh, the boat to a tiny island in the South Atlantic <gasps> called St. Helena, uh, <laughs> which was located 2,000 kilometers off the coast of Africa. So 1,300 miles off the coast. Oh, of we know someone who's from St. Helena. This is like, I- I'm doing an episode about you. it's not me i couldn't figure out how they got off the island like they just got dropped off in saint helena i try to figure out where that little gap happens there uh but i do know that the family eventually makes it to cape town uh by january 1888 so they're only there for a short period but i find that fucking awesome if you guys don't stop swindling i'm pulling this boat over and you're getting out (laughs) 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 you don't get your hands off them pulling this over yeah. <laughs> get out and walk. <laughs> so, but anyways, they make it to, to South Africa. And not much is known about their time in South Africa, except for that their time there was brief and deeming contracted syphilis from a sex worker while there as well. So those are the two <sighs> things I know for sure. About it's bound to happen. Like in those times for sure. Especially if you're in the out doing the sex workers, it's running rampant. Uh Deeming was involved in a diamond mine swindle when he had left Africa. So he had over 10,000 pounds worth of stolen diamonds and money. Uh, and that's that's 1888 money. After Africa, Fred is rolling. He's got fucking cash. That's over uh, 1 million pounds now. Almost 1.6 million American dollars now. 1.6 million American now. Whoa! That's like 2.4 Australian dollars. <laughs> something like 2.4 million. Yeah, something like that. So now uh, Demon could live the lifestyle of extravagance that he wanted to live. Uh, the only problem now was uh, women, because he hated women. Okay, they're the ones who gave him what? syphilis. Yeah, he hates women oh. now because they gave him syphilis. Okay. Fucking, yep, I'm caught up. Fucking women. I have lots of money. Can't even use it good because women gave me syphilis. Fucking women. Uh, Deeming later told police that after he contracted the disease, he spent his free time looking for the sex worker that gave him syphilis so he <gasps> could murder her himself. So like he later in life was like, "Yep, spent most of my time after I got my money trying to kill the sex worker. Tried to kill me." Like, what a fucking guy. Wow. Let it go, man. Yeah. You were the one raw dog and a sex worker. Like, Well, it's not like they had comments some... back then. Let's be honest. It's not like you're just wrapping your dick up in something back then. Like, you're the one just fucking sex workers. You know? Well, they did, though. They would use, like, sheep intestines and all sorts of stuff as condoms <gasps> back then. Like, they they had very rudimentary condoms in the 1800s. Sarah says from experience. <laughs> as uh, yeah, as Sarah said that, she picked up a sheep intestine. It was weird, guys. <laughs> She's like, I want only natural yeah. birth control. <laughs> uh police at the time claimed that Deeming was active in Cape Town during 1888 and 1889, but it's murky as to what exactly he was up to during that time. And if you want to know why 1888 and 1889 are important years, go check out the three-part series on Jack the Ripper that is now out of Private Dick's feed. Uh, Sponsor. (laughs) Promotion. Uh, There's also evidence that he was in England for a short time during that year, 1888, 1889, uh, year and a half period. And this was the time of the Jack the Ripper murders is why I'm saying that. So uh, I do talk about deeming quite a bit in one of the episodes but it's this is the longer version of that story so apparently he could have also been back in england to the end of 1888 beginning of 89 um he did bring his wife back to the uk sometime in 1889 for sure even if it was only for a little while so 
His brother remarked on the large amount of money he came back to the UK with. Uh, Deeming used to uh, use some of that stolen dimey to buy something very Joe Exotic. A tiger. Oh, a close, close. A bear. Close. A monkey. Uh, a, an eel. A giraffe. Yeah. yeah, when Deeming came back and returned to England, apparently had a lion cub by his side. Uh, uh, that's such a new millionaire move for back in the yeah. day. You know what I mean? That's <laughs> badass. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It's like a like a YouTuber with like a two million like a fourteen year old YouTuber that buys a Tesla because he thinks they're cool can't even drive them you know. Uh, Mad Fred, Mad Fred claimed that he rescued the lion cub after killing its parents with his bare hands. Fred kills lions with bare hands. <laughs> he did not. <laughs> That's what he's, so, he's so full of shit. <laughs> you did not kill a lion with your bare hands. Bare hands. The parents, not just one, both. Bear hands. Unless he took the hands of a bear and put them onto his own hands. That is the only possible way. The spelling on that one was B-A-R-E, not B-E-A-R. So no, nah, there's no way. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't bear. <laughs> he didn't he didn't wear bear hands. <laughs> like he just made gloves out of bear mitts. That'd be awesome. <laughs> this is Mad Fred we're talking about. He absolutely could have got bear hands to kill the lion. That's true. I wonder if anyone's done that, just hollowed out like bear paws and just you wear them like gloves, you know, just oh my God, that'd a be hunter. So cool. That'd be awesome. I mean, not for the bear. If the bear was killed ethically and uh, is that what the word I'm supposed to use? Keyword? <laughs> yeah, it was. The, no, the bear was already dead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so yeah, we found the bear like, dead recently because yeah. I don't want rotting yeah. gloves. No, nah, he's full of shit. He's oh, full yeah. of shit. So Fred brings his wife back at the end of 1889 for sure. We know that. We don't know exactly what he's doing. There's, like I said, a lot of speculation what he's going on. So uh, what we do know for sure is that by November 1889, Deeming is back on a ship heading back to South Africa. Side note on this, just uh, November 1889 is just about the time that the canonical JTR murders just ended. So Jack the Ripper just finished at that point. So it does point to him in that way. But anyways, once in South Africa, I don't know why he turned around and heads back to England so quickly, but he does probably because he was in shit in Africa or he's trying to get away from his family and going back to Africa was like a rouse, a ruse. Like, it's not like he actually wanted to go back to, he's like, I'm going back to Africa, Marie, watch the kids. And he actually wasn't. <laughs> he's such a dick. Yeah. I don't know if he actually just went, he didn't go or he just said bye to his wife and said, I'm going. And then just stayed in England. Cause he's back like quickly. <laughs> Like February 1890, he's back. So like November, he said he's going back, and February he's back. So he like, didn't leave. That's what I mean. He probably just stayed. But when he comes back, we're gonna say he left and came back, but I don't think he did. He's going by an alias. Um, he's passing himself off as a sheep farmer named Harry Lawson from Australia, who lived on 1,500 pounds a year. Fucking it. Yeah, doesn't go to see his wife or kids. So he just, if he did leave and come back, he just avoided them oh like they don't i don't i don't think they have a way to treat syphilis at this time like people were just dealing with it so like yeah so like he already had brain damage and then he got syphilis and he's dealing with that for years like he is off his rocker like nothing in his brain is functioning correctly anymore he's mad fred man the most important question about this whole thing is where's the lion cub now exactly he probably sold it, honestly. Probably brought it back from... I think he actually did get a lion cub and just bring it back to like sell in some weird exotic market because it's not like they had any regulations back then. Anyways, maybe not. Maybe he just kept it. He said, here, here, 
kids, here's a kitty cat for you. Don't go too, don't make too many sudden movements. <laughs> <laughs> don't worry. Frederick pulled its teeth out. It can't bite you. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> worse than declawing. Oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> a DT thing? Yeah. As Harry Lawson, he rents a room in England, finds another woman, his landlady's daughter. She's 21 years old, named Helen Matheson. And he's attracted to her. He's like, this chick's a babe. Uh, he would have been 36 or 37. So she's like 21 years old. Let's give her syphilis. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Let's keep it going. <laughs> Finds her a babe and he marries her. But he's already. Yep. He marries her. Nobody knows Harry... that though. Frederick Deeming is married. Harry yeah, Lawson Harry's... is not married. Harry, Harry... Lawson, isn't, Harry married. Lawson isn't married. So yeah, he marries her February 10th, 1890, while still married to Marie, who is currently at their house in Birkenhead, raising his four children. Uh, Fred... <laughs> <laughs> Fred uses his ill-gotten gains from his diamond mine swindle to pay for his bigamous wedding. Uh, and it's, he makes it a huge <laughs> wedding. Uh, Marie finds out about this wedding and seeks him out to confront him. How does she know that he's Fred Law- Harry Lawson? She, It's a fucking gaudy wedding from like some poor people. You know what I mean? Like he just hears about it and he, she finds out about it. Yeah. I don't know specifics how she finds out, but she does. Uh, she goes to confront him though, and Deeming's response to the confrontation, he tries to let he just throws money at her. He's like, Here's some money. He tries to throw several thousand pounds at her. <laughs> Marie says, No fuck no on that. I'm married to you and we're gonna work this out because that's the kind of lady Marie is. Gross. Marie, take the money and run. I would have too. It's probably the better idea. So in light of her not taking his deal and his involvement in another swindle that he had cops on his tail, Deeming tells Marie that he's leaving for South America again and he will call her once he get, gets settled. So Wait, he's like, South Africa or South America? He's going to South America. Uh, he's going to South Africa. Sorry, I said South America. Oh, yeah, you know, that's right. <laughs> he's, I'm going back to South Africa. Don't worry, I'll call you when I get there. Fred, Fred will be back. Fred will be back. Don't worry about it. I'll get you. I'll call for you once I... Fred will call for you once Fred is settled. Yeah. Harry's going to go get Fred. Yeah. And... (laughs) (laughs) So Fred Fred dumps his new wife, Helen. Oh! Yeah, he just fucked this. I'm out of here. He got in trouble again. He was swindling someone again. He has lots of money. He doesn't even need to do this anymore. He just likes to do it. So he's, he's got the cops on his tail. That's why he's leaving again. So he just dumps his new wife. He's like, I got my old wife fucking yelling at me. Fuck this. I got too many wives already. I'm done. You're done, Helen. He doesn't break up. He doesn't get a divorce or anything. He just says, fuck this. I'm out. And he gets on a boat heading for Montevideo, Montevideo, Montevideo. Mont- I don't know how to say it. Uruguay. Uruguay. You're- <laughs> just before he leaves, I wish, just before he leaves, he tries to swindle a jeweler in Hull. Like, I guess he's trying to pass off some diamonds that aren't up to the quality says they are or he's just trying to steal them i don't fucking know swindle they use the word swindle all the time with this guy what does swindle mean it could mean a million different things so the the jeweler finds out uh sorry the jeweler obviously figures it out as he's leaving but he's already on the boat but the jeweler's got connections and calls whoever and they get word to the boat that this guy just tried like robbed me upon arrival to montevideo or montevideo or wherever the fuck uruguay Uruguay, he's uh, turned around and sent back to England to be put in jail. So he's not like just dropped off on the shit on the side of the highway, some on the side of the roadway somewhere. He's actually brought back. Uh, in July 1891, he's released from jail and heads to a small town called Rainhill, which is near Liverpool. He uh, doesn't go see his wife or anything. She does. She probably still thinks he's in South Africa. Honestly, uh, he settles in and rents a place called Dinham Villa. 
at Rainhill using the name Albert Williams this time. Frederick Harry Albert. Okay. Albert. Yep. Yeah. Uh, the new alias Albert Williams claims that he is a senior army official home on leave from India. And his job in the army, he says that he's an army inspector, which I find funny. Uh, what is an army inspector? I don't fucking know. So we're I'm the army inspector. Fred is the army inspector. I thought that was you. Albert is the army inspector. <laughs> uh, yes, this is an army. I have inspected it. Albert <laughs> says yes. Oh, thank God. <laughs> so uh, while he's at his new house, uh, Fred falls in love with another woman. Uh, a widowed shopkeeper's daughter named Emily Mather. Oh, fuck. Hey, he's got a... The last bitch was called something Matherson. Helen Matherson. Yeah, this one's called... Yeah, okay, okay. So he's still married to Murray and Helen, by the way. He's not like he got divorced. So he's already married to two women, gets married to a third. So yeah, he just ditched Helen. He didn't get a divorce. So why uh, only have two wives when you have three? Uh, Shortly after meeting Emily Mather, Fred marries her bigamously again. Shortly after that wedding, a woman shows up at Denham Villa looking for a guy named Fred. Uh, The description of Fred is the same description of Army Inspector Albert Williams, which is odd enough. Mm. Yeah. So after her inquiry, Fred tells the hotel staff that that family, that woman and four kids, was his sister and her kids, and they'll be gone soon. Don't worry about them. Why did they say they were looking for Fred? Did they say they were looking for Fred? Not Albert? I don't know who Fred is, but they were looking for me. That's my sister. Um, but it's obviously <laughs> it's obviously Marie and the fucking kids. Marie found out she's around yeah. somewhere, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> Shortly after the departure of uh, Marie, because obviously tried to just throw money at her again. She just said, fuck this, I'm out. Uh, Deeming complains that, like, when she leaves, pretty much a couple days later, he goes to his landlord and he goes, my drain in my kitchen isn't working properly. I'll fix it for you. And he goes and gets some supplies to fix the kitchen and floor. Uh, One of those things is cement. Uh, Fred purchases all of this stuff under his wife's name, Emily Mather, even though he's got a shit ton of money. Um, after fixing the kitchen in his room, Deeming, still using Army Inspector alias Albert Williams, gets on a ship and heads back to Australia, where no one is anymore. Oh, for fuck's sake, this guy. Yeah, this time he brings his new wife, Emily Mather. He leaves his wife and kids back in Australia, or in uh, England. His other wife just ditched, and now he's got his new wife going to Australia. So they get to Australia. What is this Marie woman? Like, she just give up. Yeah, I I don't think it was like that back then. It's like she's very Christian probably and like you never get divorces and I don't know. You do that, you're going to be shunned in the community. I'd rather eat garbage than be shunned by the ladies at the church. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. <laughs> I yeah. don't know. It's just a different way of living. I don't know. Fuck. I would be gone a long time ago too. And and like I said, Fred is also very charming. You'll pick up girls like that and stuff like, like he is a charming man. And he's interesting and different. So she probably looks at him like, I love this guy. There's a reason he has probably charming moments, you know, just, it's probably not all bad for her is what I'm saying. Yeah. When he's, when he's gone, right. she believes him. Like, it's not like he, she knows he's out doing all this stuff. She just thinks, oh, he's out finding a job. That Fred, he'll probably get in some trouble again, spend a couple weeks in jail, but that's my Fred. <laughs> Must have a massive dick. Yeah, that's, yeah, for sure. So yeah, he and he and Emily go back to Australia. They get there December 15th, 1891. Uh, he rents a house on Albert Street in Windsor, uh, suburb of Mel- Melbourne. What do we say it was? Mel- Melbourne. 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 <laughs> Melbourne. All right. 
uh, deeming, pay, deeming pays a few months of rent in advance. But even though he has all the money, Fred can't change and he's still stealing. Okay. He's still, like I said, he keeps thieving. He doesn't have to. He just does. Oh, Fred. Um, and he's stealing from all sorts of places. Uh, a couple of days after his arrival back in Australia, he steals some 12 centimeter long surgical knives from a hospital. So he just, <gasps> I like these knives. He's had his obsession with knives ever since he was a kid. So if he sees a knife he likes, he's taking it. Yeah. That's just the way it is. Uh, nine days after his arrival in Australia on Christmas Eve, Mather and him are heard arguing by some neighbors. Uh, the mm. arguing turns silent after Fred picks up his battle axe and strikes her <gasps> times in the head. You heard me, battle axe. Wait, where did a battle axe? How did he get a battle axe? This guy's got all sorts of weapons. He loves knives, axes, all sorts of shit. He's a fucking pirate. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So he, while she's unconscious, bleeding on the floor, potentially dead, to be honest, I'm not sure. Deeming pulls out one of his stolen surgical knives and slits her throat. But she didn't. Oh, uh, okay. No, he probably. Yeah. Okay. All right. Three strikes of a battle axe to the head. And then a surgical knife to the throat. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I, it's it's honestly in the description of this, it says it's not sure which one happened first, but I'm going to go with the at battle axes like the heat of the moment and then to finish her off with the slit throat. But I don't know that for a fact. They, they say they're not sure. That is so metal to just whip out a battle axe. He's where you know, he's wearing a trench coat. He's got all of these rings all over his fingers. He's bespoke in jewelry. And then he just whips out a battle axe and clocks her in the head. Like, oh, I, he's got he's got a case metal. of tools. He's got a case of tools. He's got yeah. a shit ton of weapons for sure. Um, Fred's new surgical knives would be later found with dried blood on them, so that's how we know he used that knife. Deeming tries to cover up his tracks with Emily. Uh, Mad Fred buries her body under the hearthstone of his room. Then he covers the grave in cement. Deeming had paid months of rent in advance, but as soon as the cement hardened, he gathered his things and left Albert Street and the corpse buried underneath. In March 1892, it, when it's clear that Deeming wasn't coming back, the landlord rents out the Albert Street house again. Now, the new tenant claimed that she smelt a disagreeable smell in the second bedroom. It was so bad that they quote, found themselves barely able to breathe. So the police were called and they smelled, it was death, the smell of death. The police knew that smell. So they they looked in the room, they found Mather's body buried in the dried cement. Now, almost right away, the media linked the murder of Mathers to the Whitechapel murders that were still fresh in the minds of Londoners at the time. Uh, even though no policeman or politician linked them, like nobody except for the media. The media just went, must be Jack the Ripper. I'm like, okay, right. I guess that's Jack the Ripper. I didn't know he's burying people in cement, but it must be Jack the Reaper, Ripper for sure. Yeah, well, trying something different. Keep it exciting. Yeah, exactly. Uh, once the Sydney media found out about the brutality of the murder, uh, Jack the Ripper is the only logical conclusion to report. You know, uh, logical <laughs> Jack the Ripper headlines sell papers. Uh, not because of reporting the truth. Um, so mm -hmm. obviously it's Jack the Ripper because they want to sell the newspapers. Uh, the police were on Deeming's tail pretty quickly because Deeming was a loudmouth. Uh, he's a character. <laughs> he, he, he definitely leaves an impression wherever he goes, goes with his fucking jewelry and celebration clothes. And after they went back and they spoke with Emily's family in England, they figure out that Mr. Williams is actually Mad Fred Deeming. Shock! 
Yeah, but nobody would have, unless looking into it, how'd you know? Right? Back mm-hmm. then, it's a different time. There's no Facebook. <laughs> There's no, like, just creeping someone. <laughs> Meanwhile, uh, Freddy's on the run. He fled again by boat, this time as the alias Baron Swanston. Swanston. Baron? Baron Swanston. Swanston. Uh, the Swanston alias was telling people that he was an engineer. Uh, while he's on the boat, Deeming found a 19-year-old woman named Kate Rosefeld and fell in love quickly with her. And Wait, wait, wait. He'd be in his 40s now, hey? Yeah, he's about 40. <laughs> what a pig. Yeah. <laughs> he asked her to marry him the day after they met. Uh, oh, God. Jesus. She says yes and heads with him to the small Australian mining town of Southern Cross. Or is that Southern Cross? Because you guys don't do your R's. <laughs> Cross. Southern Cross. <laughs> Southern, Southern Cross. Southern Cross. <laughs> you the, police, <laughs> the police investigation led them to find that Fred was had been seen auctioning off various household goods and Mather's clothes in Melbourne. And they found his trail or they followed his trail to Sydney. They caught him by the end of March 1892 at Southern Cross after another year of swindles and misadventures with his fourth and final wife. On his person when they arrested him, they found a dagger five pocket knives, four razors, an axe, and a black cloak. That's like, honestly, the Jack the Ripper disguise kit. Like, that's the Jack the Ripper kit. So I can see why they fucking picked up on calling him Jack the Ripper after a while. Yeah. Uh, About this time, when they catch him, this is about a year after, uh, investigators in London found the decomposing bodies of Deeming's first wife, Marie James, and their four children underneath the floorboards at Denham Villa. Oh, so it was his wife that came to visit him, not his sister and his kid and her kids. The wife and the four kids, they all had their throat slit. Um, The kids were aged 18 months all the way up to nine years old. Um, I guess when she came to visit and found out that Fred had married again, they fought. And he had enough. Yeah. And Fred just killed them. You know, this is why I think he killed Mather as well. Uh, She probably couldn't like she was probably there. You know, she probably was on in for the ride she just got with him she's probably in for the ride just couldn't look at him this is why they probably fought in australia later yeah it doesn't it doesn't matter though fred didn't really care because he was setting her up from the beginning he bought all the supplies under her name to fix the kitchen at denham villa Mm. what his plan was that he hired and he also hired a a laborer to put in the uh, it was like a friend of emily's the laborer to put in the cement to pour the cement right his plan was to get the cops to come asking about the murders of his first wife and kids and be like, I don't really know what happened. I, I just left. I was leaving. You know what I mean? And then Emily wouldn't be there. Like, okay, where's your wife? She was friends with this guy. I, I haven't seen her. She left. But the cops found it in reverse order. So they found Emily's body first. So he couldn't explain away like Emily just ran away. He had to be like, oh fuck emily's already dead so <laughs> can't just blame everything on her because now it looks like i killed both of them he was trying to fucking kill both of them and get away with it all <laughs> dickhead but uh does that make sense did i say that properly like you tried yeah. the people to find the kids first and then they would have blamed emily and he would have been like i don't know she left and they'd be looking for her but they found emily's body but instead first. they found emily dead first yeah so yeah. fuck yeah okay but he already got away with murder once pushing that one chick out the window you yeah, know, so he's like, I can do this again. Yeah, but a you know, a bit more convoluted plan for sure. And the, the, he got more and more brave as the years went on. I don't even know if he killed that. He slashed that lady's throat as a kid, either, right? I, I yeah, he's he's fucked up as it is. And 
<laughs> with uh, his first, like the lady pushed out the window. I forget what her name is off the top of my head, but that was like a thief and stuff. So cops probably just gave up after a while. Didn't even look into it more. Right. So he probably got more and more yeah. bold. Like you said. Yeah. Over the years. And who knows how many people he killed in like South Africa and shit like that. Like he was probably killing the whole way through this guy. seems like that guy <laughs> on April 1st, Deeming was taken back to Melbourne for trial. Uh, almost as soon as he arrived, Melbourne newspapers uh, convicted him. They would describe him as the criminal of the century or as the human tiger. Some even called him ape-like, which I found fun. Ape-like? Did he look like an ape? Not really, no. He was kind of like, like, if you look him up, he's got that big mustache I was talking about. He's a little scrawny dude. But uh, the trial began on April 28th and ran for three days. Uh, Alfred Deakin later to be Prime Minister of Australia, represented him. Who? Alfred Deakin. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Alfred Deakin was an interesting character. Uh, Like Deeming, he was really into the occult and apparently claimed he had hypnotic powers that can control others using mental commands. (laughs) Patty Deakin, his wife, was also a spiritualist and claimed that she could speak to ghosts. (laughs) And these are the people defending him. Yeah. but Also... Our prime minister. <laughs> uh, yeah, your prime minister eventually. But this is my favorite part about this is like the trial was full of spiritualistic shit like this. Like with the media sensationalizing it uh, and basically convicting him before the jury could even be selected, the trial was huge. So I saw reports that all Australians were affected by the mass hysteria of, quote, demania. Uh, the trial was so packed that you needed to have a ticket to enter. Uh, as Fred's dis- defense, his lawyer Deacon argued in court that Deeming's dead mother's ghost used to wake Fred up at the night and demand that he kill women he loves. Not his fault. The ghost's fault. Okay? Classic uh-huh. ghost made me do it defense. The yep. Frederick Deeming ghost made me do it defense. It's rare. It's it's a problem over here. They, they went for the insanity defense. They, uh, the, the ghost made me insane defense, basically. Much to the chagrin of Australia's future prime minister... Excuse me, the what? The chagrin? What the yeah. fuck is a chagrin? Like, pisses you off or whatever. Like, sh- oh, shucks. Like, as if that didn't oh, work. Oh, okay. Oh, okay, and sure. Much to the chagrin of Australia's future prime minister, Deeming <laughs> was convicted. Uh, the jury <laughs> the jury did not take long to make their decision, and Fred was sentenced to death. While waiting on death row, Deacon was making appeals and petitions. Uh, Deeming was the opposite. He seemed to have resolved himself to his soon-to-be fate. He spent the last three weeks of his uh, life furiously writing his autobiography. (laughs) The the autobiography outlined his life of crime and outlined his alleged associations with people of higher class, some including royalty. Publishers back in England, upon hearing about the book Deeming was writing, offered to buy the rights from him for a thousand pounds. After his death, authorities burned his entire manuscript claiming it all to be lies which is very sad because i would have loved to read mad fred's biography Mm -hmm. but i bet it was all lies i I bet none of it was the truth for sure for sure i would have loved to read the craziness of it though right it's like peewee gaskins in my own words or whatever the fucking peewee gaskins story like come on (laughs) i i have to read these things so yeah while on death row apparently deeming confessed to being jack the ripper uh i don't think so um at all i think that was just him trying to take the claim the the claim from that they yeah do have similarities but not lots like his lust for violence sure brutality of the killings uh the killing stop when deeming leaves london like i said 
but apparently I read that Deeming knew one of the Ripper victims as well, uh, Catherine Eddowes. Apparently, oh. uh, she wrote to him while he was out at sea, but none of that is like proven. That's just one of the Ripperologists talking shit. But there's like, okay, so that's a couple similarities. But there's so many issues with Fred Deeming being Jack the Ripper that like, there's no way. Like, Are you being racist? Are you saying he can't do it because he's Australian? I'm saying he can't do it because he uh, <laughs> wants to be Australian. Because, like, Australians have their own disabilities, but he, like, moved there. <laughs> you know what I mean? Australians have their own disabilities. <laughs> yeah, look. Yeah, there's a lot of issues, though. Like, Deeming's just a liar. Like, it, I know the throats were slashed and all the murders associated with Deeming and the Ripper. You know what I mean? But the motivations don't match up. Like, Deeming killed his family to get out of having a family. Uh, you know what I mean like that's why he killed them the Ripper though that was some like sexually driven shit you know what I mean it's it was all done to like unfortunate classic Whitechapel and like he'd play with the guts and shit like that he'd like rip them out and like Jack the Ripper was a different beast completely uh, I know Deeming claimed to have ha- hated sex workers because of the STDs but that to turn to around and kill his wife and kids in the same manner I, I don't think that adds up to me either like i don't think he's going around getting revenge on these and then killing his wife in a different way he'd be like like that doesn't add up either on the night before so there's i i just don't think deeming's the guy he is a violent dude and he did have he's a serial killer in his own right but like did he kill the fucking sex workers in Whitechapel? probably not maybe one you know like i don't uh if you listen to the three-part series we did on private dicks Mm -hmm. uh you'll see that i truly believe that those most of those murders might not have been connected and it's just a made up by the media. So Fred Deeming could have potentially killed one of those five or 11. So he could have been one of the Jack Rippers. Yeah, for sure. He could have, he could have definitely done one in a raged out kill just cause yep. he could to, but to be the guy that did them all, I don't think anybody's the guy that did them all, honestly. So, so on the night before his execution, Deeming was asked to clear or asked by the clergyman, if he was actually Jack the Ripper, let's go Freddie. Let us know. Get it off your chest. You're Jack the Ripper, right? Tell us. Usually Mad Fred would never shut up, but when the clergyman asked, Fred did not respond. Oh. On May 23rd, 1892, Deeming was walked up to the gallows smoking a cigar. Uh, He was Hmm. asked if he had any final words, and ever the Christian, Deeming's last words were, Lord, receive my spirit. Crack neck. (laughs) No! This is the description of the execution from the Argus newspaper on the day, because they would print this in the newspaper. The hangman then placed the white cap over the prisoner's head and face and carefully adjusted the noose around his neck. The chaplain commenced reading the first portion of the burial service. During the few seconds that elapsed before the bolt was drawn, the prisoner's body could be seen swaying from one side to the other, and it was probable by this time... He was in a semi-conscious condition. The moments of surprise were soon over, and with the sudden thud, the body of the prisoner fell through the trapdoor for a distance of about seven feet and remained suspended without a single motion or quiver. The neck was completely dislocated, and life and all its signs disappeared in the one instant. Hmm. His uh, execution was less than a month after convictions. Late 1800s people did not fuck around. Now it takes like 30 yeah. years to get murdered. Yeah. Over 10,000 people partied in the streets after old Deeming was confirmed dead by the hangman. He was quickly cut down and death mask was made 
uh, of him, which was quickly sent to Scotland Yard for reference in the Rainhill investigation and help solving the Ripper case. If he was, in fact, telling the truth about being the Ripper, his death mask is still around and it's displayed in the Black Museum and it's described to visitors as the death mask of Jack the Ripper. Huh? Yeah. Deeming was buried in an unmarked grave after his body had been studied by many ghoulish doctors interested in his pathology. His head was even taken off to be studied. His skull was kept and is now on display at the Melbourne Gull. Melbourne Gull? Melbourne? Melbourne. Is it Gull? G-A-O-L? That's how we spell old-timey jail. Uh, So it's on display there. Uh, The Gull is... (laughs) It's a museum now, and it has many skulls on display from their many past inmates uh marie deeming and the four kids funeral was attended by over ten thousand people oh good yeah they needed to schedule more train service for the couple days after the funeral so people could visit the grave site for years after their burial people anonymously put flowers on the grave someone remembered them there was a monument erected at melbourne melbourne general cemetery for emily mather i'm so proud of you for Emily Mather by their friend Edward Thunderbolt, uh, which is a real guy. That's such a cool name. That is such Eddie yeah. Thunderbolt. I yeah. love it. That sounds like the the lead singer of uh, Perjury at the Fraud Case. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Eddie Thunderbolt headlines Perjury at the Fraud Case. Fraud Court. Fraud Court, yeah. So I wanted to make sure that everyone knew. The her his original wife, Marie and the four kids, had the giant funeral. And Emily, who was murdered, also has a monument. And the monument reads as follows, erected by her buddy Eddie Thunderbolt. It reads as follows. In memory of Emily Lydia Mather, beloved daughter of John and Dove Mather of Rainhill, England. Murdered 24th of December, 1891, at Windsor, Melbourne, at aged 26 (laughs) years old. Erected by public subscription. uh, Who, all of her days, while yet alive, to live in honor, she did strive. Till he, she, this literally says this, till he, she trusted as her guide, without cause or warning, her life denied. Then on a plaque below, it reads, Advice. To those who hereafter come reflecting upon this text of her ending to warn her sex of their intending for marrying in haste is depending on such a fate top late for amending by her friend E. Thunderbolt. A last little warning. Don't just marry people you just meet. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And that's our buddy Fred Deeming. Far out. (laughs) What a big... (laughs) <laughs> he has a piece of shit i just i i found it interesting he was such a crazy guy so i had to crack out extra words on him and do it for you guys yeah he's unreal like i i didn't know anything about him at all that was brand new news to me there you go definitely did you know albert deacon was like a crazy uh you knew when i said it, you're like oh that prime minister but did you know he's like an occultist and like believed in ghosts and shit I knew he was crazy, um, oh, yeah, okay. but I didn't know I didn't know that stuff. I just knew he was crazy. That's so bizarre, and and so he's potentially one of the Jack the Ripper peeps is yeah. the the landing space. Yeah. Well, and even if he is not Jack the Ripper, he's still a murderer. Like he oh, still oh, sure. killed killed people and uh did did some 
fucked up shit you know yeah history history only has so much records too like i'd love to see like i'd love to i just curious as to what he was doing in other countries like he's driving around on boats all over the place i'm sure he had a higher body count i'm sure he oh for sure he probably had like an african wife probably had like a couple african wives in australia probably had more wives than we're talking about here you know yeah for sure he's so do you reckon do you reckon he was born a little bit special or was it the syphilis or the seizures or a combination of all of it that just made him turn into an absolute moron i think he was a monster because of his dad i think his dad didn't take a liking. his dad already had mental health issues i think his dad looked at him and went this kid's fucked like fuck this kid (laughs) and he just beat the shit out of this kid until he became weird and then he became took that trauma through the rest of his life and the rest of his family are all interviewed at certain points about him after the case and they all like they knew he was weird and shit and they all said like my dad fucked him up you know oh no like i think it's a lot of nurture on this one i think nature has a bit to do with it too because i think his dad like i think there's mental health issues in the family to begin with but i think that could be dealt with without his dad beating the fuck out of him as like a child and making him fuck yeah yeah look it's not gonna help yeah it definitely seems like beating the hell out of him as a kid kind of uh maybe triggered the seizures which triggered more issues and then getting syphilis just was the icing on the shitty cake there that just kept deteriorating i don't think the syphilis is what made him like yes i think that didn't help his like mental state like i think if he would have lived a little bit longer he would have started to notice mad fred become real mad but i think like Mm -hmm. the the big score in africa having all sorts of money and then feeling like you Mm. can do whatever the fuck you want yeah you already live in the slummiest shit and then you have a shit ton of money and you don't leave your slummy shit so now you go like I rule the slums. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I can go fucking r- run these fucking slums. So, do, sorry. Do we know that he, if he ever caught the the bitch that gave him syphilis? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't. He said that in jail, right? So I don't think so. I think he said to the cops, like, I was when I got syphilis, I wanted to kill. Like that wasn't that was to the police later when he was caught. So he probably <laughs> that chick's probably like, ha I win. <laughs> or like, I didn't die. More like this. More like, ha ha. Because uh, she's crazy. Yeah. She's no brain left from the syphilis. So the syphilis. <laughs> <laughs> he contracted it in South Africa, though, right? I mean, he did go back to South Africa quite a bit. Maybe he did find her. We just don't know about it. Yeah, he was hunting for her for sure. So. Well, I think the moral of this story is exactly like it said on the grave. Don't go and marry people that you first meet. Don't go and bang bitches without wrapping your knob and try not to speak with yourself in the third person. I think that's really mm-hmm. the takeaways from yeah, this. For sure. Don't don't marry. Uh... Yeah, and for the love of God, here's another one. Like, I know it's hard, but if you're Marie... And you catch your husband fucking like all the strippers or the hookers in Sydney, Australia, which 90% of them are just leave or (laughs) get, get someone to help you leave. You know what I mean? Don't continuously return until he murders you. Don't do that. Yeah. 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 No dick is that good. No dick. No, you don't know that. You don't know that. (laughs) No societal (laughs) shunning is going to be as horrible as your death. Fuck you, Richard. We don't have 90%. 90% of how people You couldn't just let it lay. (laughs) You had to go for it. I was like, oh, she's just going to let it go. Nope, she's not. 
Okay. Yeah, no, it, that was fun. I appreciate that. That was interesting, and I think I'd be friends with him. Maybe we could have made him not so crazy. Then, like, who cares what your dad said, dude? You know. No, I would have encouraged him because, like, I'm, I'm the type of person Murder the like sex that. worker, Fred. <laughs> Go get get him, Fred. <laughs> get ready to get schooled, you toss pot. <laughs> Hang you on. toss pot? <laughs> What's a toss pot? I've never heard that. <laughs> You're such a cockhead. I fucking love it. <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Unethical Podcast. If you're not in the Facebook group, stop being such a silly goose and come find us at Unethical, the official unethical podcast group. If you find you just can't handle the anticipation until the next episode, then it's a great time to join our Patreon, where we have a ton of extra unethical content, and of course, our brother podcast, Private Dicks. And in case you didn't hear the good news, Private Dicks is now Public Dicks. Every two weeks, an episode of Season 1 will drop wherever you eat your podcasts, and our lucky Patreon patrons are literally living in the future, listening to new episodes from Season 2. On the fence about it? Have a listen to the trailer and see what you think. If you've got a case, big or small, give the private dicks a call. And yes, the phone number is real. Enjoy! Have you got a mystery that needs solving? Where is Amelia Earhart? We know. Who the hell was D.B. Cooper? Bah, easy. Bermuda Triangle? Probably solve that one next. Here at Private Dicks, we guarantee a mystery solved every episode. That's with a capital G. Every second Friday, the Private Dicks take a client, record their session, and solve the world's greatest mysteries. One by one. Private Dicks solve them, no problem. God, I love just crushing mysteries. Search up Private Dicks on your favorite podcatcher and you can solve a mystery too. The mystery of what's your favorite podcast? It's Private Dicks. Another one solved. If you have a mystery to be solved, call 1-855-PRVTDIX. That's 1-855-PRIVATE-DICKS. Call 1-855-PRIVATE-DICKS and leave us the rundown of the case. Maybe the dicks will solve it. It's 855-PRIVATE-DICKS. Because I'm straight when it comes to humans, but fucking gay for more people.